0: Hello and welcome to the Music Survival Guide, the independent musician's guide on how to survive in the music industry. My name's Phil, a mixing and mastering engineer with Vortis Sound Studios. Well, good day to you. I hope you're all doing well wherever in the world you are, whatever is going on, if you are past the pandemic or if you're not, hello to you. Welcome aboard. (laughs) Today on the podcast, I've got an interview with Keith Lamley, who's the manager of WDFD Records. If you ever want to know what goes into managing a label, then stick around because this interview is for you. Keith, seriously though, Keith is like the loveliest man you could ever hope to meet and has a deep well of knowledge for you to learn from. So if you want to learn from him, Again, stick around. We also discuss his nickname, should you want to know that. I mean, you might not, but you never know. So anyway, I'm not going to mess about any longer. On with the interview. So today on the podcast, I am joined by Keith, who is the, the manager, I think that's probably the right phrase, of WDFD Records. Keith, how are you?
1: Good morning, Phil. Yeah, I'm uh, uh, all good afternoon or good evening or good night, depending on you're listening to this. Um, I'm, I'm fine, thank you. Yes. Good. Are you well? I'm,
0: I'm very well.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. In this strange world of ours.
0: Indeed. So I'm going to, I'm sorry, I've not warned you about this. Um, I'm going to trial a very random question to start with. And I found a website, which is a random question generator, <laughs> which may may break the ice. And the the random question generator says, do you have any nicknames <laughs> that you can share? <laughs> that I
1: can share, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think my wife's got one or two for me. I, actually, I don't. Uh, I did have as a, as a uh, teenager and whatever. But um, yeah, it's strange. No, it's, I've not got one. I feel left out.
0: Is now the time to admit that I have heard a nickname that is repeatable? <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Sir Keith. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, well, I wouldn't. I would never lay claim to that one. Yes, oh, I've, I've heard that, that but, but that's very. It's very, very uh, lovely. <laughs> Probably totally unfounded, but yeah, I'll, I'll yes, I'll, I'll happily take that one. Thank you.
0: So, a more a more serious question: How did you get into music? What was your kind of way in to this world? Well, I think like
1: most most of us, obviously, as a as a, a youngster, listening to to music, T Rex were 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 my way in really? That was the uh, uh, the group and Mark Boland in particular, who uh, just really blew my mind. I think back then, just the just caught my imagination. Uh, I had an older brother who was into to a lot of rock music and prog and such like, and uh, listened to a lot of that stuff. And I still love a lot of that stuff, but really that glam era was was got me was really got me hooked into to music. I joined uh several bands playing in local pubs probably pretty awful looking back but at the time it was uh, uh, it was great fun one band in particular that uh, we did end up going down to london with a cassette tape to see Polydor. it was a nice day out but uh, yeah i would say we got politely rejected i don't think we've we not politely rejected but we did get rejected and after that, marriage, children, everything came along, and that was wonderful. And it was really when my uh, um, older son, Kyle, first picked up the guitar and I showed him some chords. And within about two or three months, he was way better than I'd ever been. Um, so I put my guitar down and let him carry on with his. And it's been his journey as much as anything which has inspired me. So that's, that sort of led on to whatever it is we've got today. So uh, yeah, that's that's sort of a brief potted history.
0: Hmm, fair enough. So so, how did you come to start WDFD Records? I always struggle to get those initials right. I must admit.
1: Yeah, probably probably not allowed to say what they stand for on here. we had swearing, so. But anyway, yes, WDFD. It's uh, it was a labour of love, really, for for Thea, uh, my son's band. Again, it's such a difficult business to uh, to get any traction and any momentum. With you do <laughs> realise what a small fish you are in a, in an enormous sea at times. But Thea was struggling like like a lot of bands to get any uh, any notice taken of them. And I think Planet Rock at the time were, I think it's changed now, but at the time we're only playing signed bands and we just had a thought well if i form a record label and sign them that makes them a signed band uh, it seemed a, li- a little bit too obvious and easy but that's what that's basically why i did it It was to give more credibility to the band if you liked as so, they right we're, we're signed so yeah smoke and mirrors i guess uh, but that was the the uh, original idea as to to why we did it and then it took took on a bit of a life of its own for for some time i think now we've got more of a a strategy and a, a plan about things but initially it was it was very flattering that that other people were interested in in what we were doing and uh, wanted to be a part of it
0: why do you think it is that bands are taken more seriously when they have a label of some description rather than an independent artist
1: i don't know and I, i'm not sure that's true in every case there are you know there are uh, bands doing well that are that are independent and I think it depends very much on what what, and who else the band have got around them as to the importance or not of a label. I think a label just hopefully gives you a core. That's what we're trying to do anyway, to, is to make that a, a centerpiece of things from, from which all else emanates. And I guess, again, as much as anything, it's just whether you want to I think WDFD is, is, is a very different model to the more traditional record labels. So it depends for bands now whether they, they buy into what we're about or not. Uh, we've got no more of a magic wand and we certainly haven't got deep financial pockets. So there's no easy way, you know, to just joining a label doesn't doesn't magically transform things overnight. It's whether you buy into the, the ethos uh, and want to be part of something. Uh, to To you know, to to benefit from that.
0: You you mentioned the sort of deep pockets thing. I think it's a thing that a lot of bands can sometimes misunderstand. That if you do get, say, let's call it magically signed to EMI or someone massive, that they don't just hand you some cash on a plate and go, "Here you are, off you go." They actually give you a loan, don't they? That that they want back.
1: Absolutely, I, I think it's always been that way. As say, you know, in, in these days where information is more easily transmitted, there's a greater awareness what uh, what's going on and certainly a lot of the big bands from the past <laughs> did very badly uh, out of deals they, they signed. Other people made an awful lot of money off the back of them, but the artists didn't. There are exceptions and it probably going down to how good your lawyer was and all the rest of it. But yes, you know, they, again, whilst there may have been odd cases where where. Money was literally given by a benefactor in in terms of a label. Yeah, you know, you were tied in um, and everything that you earned went to pay back. And I think those contracts are still around. You know, everything goes, first of all, to pay back those advances before you start to see a penny in return. it can look very glamorous and, you know, the label will probably provide some some fairly lavish and and grand things that you, you can get involved with. But yes, make no mistake, you know, you have to be very careful going into that and just see whether you are going to be uh, turned over uh, as a result of it. And of course, if you're not successful, for whatever reason, that loan is still is still there to be repaid.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a big thing that no one particularly thinks about, is what happens if you don't succeed?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's still a, you know, it's still something there, you know, they're not just going to say, oh, well, never mind, boys. You just keep that money, then. We'll put it down to experience. They will still still want it back. Yeah, I think, I mean, to be fair, labels don't tend to throw money at people until, until they are pretty sure there is something there, which is why it's so difficult to get on.
0: It's one of those things, isn't it, that kind of social media numbers is is what so many people look at nowadays to judge success in any way
1: yeah absolutely uh yeah i mean the world has changed very greatly from when i was looking at it in the 70s and 80s it is a very different animal and i've never worked for a major major or whatever you know i can only speak from what i've seen from the outside and what i've heard from from people i talk to some at higher levels So yeah, it's it's a difficult industry, but it's still a wonderful industry. I mean, at the end of the day, you're making something which is, I don't know, life-saving, life-changing, and all the rest of it. It's phenomenal. So I think that having a label can be right for some bands, and it's not necessarily right for others. I mean, with technology, you don't have to have a label these days. You couldn't, you know, they used to be the gatekeepers. Uh, really, to to get new music out there, and particularly when you know shops were the main way of selling your music. These days, of course, retail shops you know have become a niche thing, really.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, love a good record shop.
1: Yeah, I mean, I used to spend hours in record shops browsing through them. You know, and when I went on holidays I used to get a holiday in North Wales, a lot of listeners may know Cobb Records, which is very at <laughs>
0: That's exactly what I was thinking of.
1: Yeah, yeah, I used to spend many hours. Uh, Many hours in there and many many pounds I probably couldn't afford.
0: My mum lives near there, so every time, every single time I go to Cobb Records.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, it's got a a lot of memories for me going back to probably 14, 15 or whatever. I was uh, old enough to sort of go in and browse and, uh, yeah, found some fantastic things and things I wouldn't have otherwise come across.
0: So... Moving back to the label, I guess how how do you find bands that you want to work with? What's that process like?
1: It's more structured now uh, than it than it was at the start, because initially, as I say, it started purely for theatre. It wasn't it wasn't intended to be a record label in a wider sense for for other bands. So it came as quite a surprise when other bands said, "Oh, well, what are you doing here? And can we be part of it?" That was lovely, but that wasn't the um, wasn't the intention. So we went with that. Now it grew quite quickly, possibly too quickly. I don't know, but it, it you know it is what it is it uh, it grew well. I think and hope that we've got a decent reputation. You're never quite sure what people are saying about you, of course, in this wonderful world, but um not had any, uh, Particularly bad feedback. Not everybody buys into what we do or agrees with with the way we approach things. We're very much on a cooperative basis where we try to uh, support each other and and try to have a you know the, the the sum of the whole is greater than the parts type approach. And that you know isn't necessarily for everyone to get that. So in terms of WDFD, we're obviously looking for bands that make good music. That has to be a given, if you like. It's that's subjective, clearly, because um, you know what one person will like, another another may not. So I know what I like to listen to, but for me, it's more about whether a band has not just got got that, or the you know the the music that appeals to a potentially appeals to a, a wide number of people. It's as much about them as people, and whether they're committed, hardworking or whether they're just, you know, looking for somebody to to open doors for them to step through without having to uh, put in the legwork themselves. Barring an incredible stroke of luck, there are no shortcuts. You have to do the gigs you don't necessarily want to, uh, and you have to uh, suffer poor results at times as well, whilst you um, try to learn from, from the past and improve for the next release.
0: It's the thing I always think about releases when it comes to bands is that as long as your next release is better, quote unquote, than the one before, that's what matters. And it doesn't, whatever that metric is kind of depends on the band, I guess. But that's the really important thing.
1: Yeah, it is. I think as an artist anyway, you, you know, which obviously I, <laughs> even even in my uh, 20s, never really claimed to be. But seeing it with my son, yeah, he's all, you know, always striving to make the next track better than the last. Now, again, not everyone will agree with that. And again, it happens to the big bands, you know, saying, oh, yeah, their first album was the best. Or, yeah, I like the old stuff, but I don't like the new stuff. So it's always a, a difficult one, Matt, but you have to creatively feel that you're progressing. And I think very much that that's where services of, of someone like yourself comes in Phil. Uh, again, this is a big thing for me. It's very easy now with technology to, to home record and do things, and that's great. But I think, again, where a label and particularly someone like yourself can come in is just being objective and standing back and saying, mm, actually, we really need another pair of ears here. We really need to to rethink this. Yes, I know what you can hear in your head, but if you want it to be the best it can be. Let's try this. Let's do that. Let's let's experiment, and that can be very difficult for an artist to to let go of that process. Again, in the past, you know, you went into a studio, and it was to a large extent taken out of your hands. The, the label was paying for the studio. They did the, whatever, and something came out the other end.
0: They were in charge. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like they they literally moulded you and moulded your sound and all the rest. These days, you can do it yourself, which is great. But you still have to be brave enough at times to stand back and say, OK, but but could this be better still?
0: You found, say, say in this scenario, a band, whoever they are, that you think they're really good, they have their wits about them, <laughs> they're doing well. What happens then? Do you approach them? or
1: It's happened both ways, to be honest. Sometimes the, the band has approached us and, and sometimes we've approached the band I mean, it's it's a privilege to listen to bands if they send their stuff in. It's awful when you have to say, "Mm, it's really not for us, but it's still a a wonderful compliment and feeling when when a band sends their stuff in to you for for you to consider. But really now, say we've we've been through a phase of, say, perhaps too rapid growth and a little bit of sort of sorting out as time's gone on now we're very much and i say we because i've managed to get some (laughs) volunteers as a team to uh, to help me with some of the workload because there is a lot of uh, work involved and um you know this isn't my day job this is a passionate hobby so uh, i do have a a full-time day job and uh, family and other calls on time so we've managed to Again, hone it down, really. I'm, I'm a big one on image. Maybe it goes back to the glam thing. I don't know. Probably has influenced me. But for me, music, if I'm sitting here with the headphones on, that's it, I'll get lost in the moment. But if I'm going to a gig, or of course now with YouTube, phenomenon generally of social media, visuals are extremely important. Whether it's equally as important or not, I don't know. But we do observe things with both ears and eyes, so I look for something which is interesting. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want myself, uh, I don't know some people do, and that's absolutely fine, but I don't want myself to look at a band that appears to have stepped straight out of the 70s or 80s. I was there, I saw that. I, you know, I don't need that in the 2010s and 20s. Again, Whatever you're comfortable with, if that's that's what you want to do, that's absolutely fine. But for me, objectively looking at it and saying, Can we build on this? I want something which is which is fresh and different, which is a tall order, because there's very little that, you know, hasn't been done before but again it's about attitude really it's about approach again the days of throwing televisions out the window or uh, hotel window constantly being drunk and drugs and all the rest of it that's boring isn't it that's you know, that's, that's all old hat so um, you want artists that can can relate that people can relate to who are singing about things that are relevant yeah, I mean, love's always relevant, but, you know, you you can only put out so many albums of love songs. You, you know, you've got to be talking, you know, there's so many things going on in the world at the moment that for a lyricist, it, you know, it should be a dream come true because there are just so many things that people care about that you can be tapping into.
0: I, I understand that this this may be a question that you can only answer so much about for obvious reasons, but what goes into a typical contract that you sign with bands?
1: Well, again, typical is, is difficult because, so I say, not don't, don't get to see all other labels' contracts, so I'm not sure. And certainly the big labels, as, as we say, you, know, you, you are still going to be very much at their behest, and that's fair enough because they're the ones putting the money in. For us, I've kept it deliberately a very short contract, two and a half pages including signatures, and it's not small print, mainly because I don't want any hassle. I don't want anybody suing me. I don't want anybody moaning about me, saying, you know, I'm locked into this. I did this label I thought would change my life, and they haven't. If somebody wants to walk away from WDFD, that's it. They can. There's, there's absolutely no tie ins. Obviously, we ask them to do certain things in terms of supporting each other and behaving in a good manner, particularly on social media ask, obviously, you know, technical things about, you know, the format of stuff and, and artwork and YouTube videos and so on. But I don't think, and certainly the feedback so far, there's n- never been anything untoward in there. Nothing that an artist so far has said, oh, ah, okay, yeah, didn't, didn't think that.
0: I, I guess you also want it to be quite straightforward to avoid any potential reputational damage. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely, I'm doing this for the love. To a large extent, anyway, I've, I've made not a single penny from it. It's all been one-way traffic in terms of, of money going into the label and trying to build the the brand and the reputation, sponsor festivals, advertise, and and so on. And sales from albums so far, unfortunately, have nowhere near covered that. But that's fine. Nobody's forced me to do that. It's something I wanted to do. So it's uh, it financially is a is a big undertaking. So you just want artists to um, participate in that uh, and get the best for themselves.
0: I think it helps in a way that, if I can put it this way, it helps that you're not making massive profits off the back of this so that bands kind of, they view it as a quite collegiate thing doing being in the label.
1: Yeah, I hope so. I mean, it's a tough one because obviously... Yeah, I mean, you've got to take my motives at face value, but any money that does come in just gets reinvested into to other stuff. I would love one day for it to provide me with a standard of living. Now, you know, that would be fantastic. You know, I'd be lying if I said otherwise, but I don't see that realistically happening in the short term. But it's you know, we are trying to get more and more professional and approach things and not be as stupid as we have at times in the past. In throwing money at certain things, which perhaps didn't didn't warrant it or or didn't have the return, so it'd be nice to generate more income because that will give us opportunities to again advertise or promote or put on events or whatever, which bring the bands to a to a bigger audience. So you've got to have some income coming in. It isn't you know can't just be a, well, it can be a charitable thing, but it will only have a very very short lifespan as such. But yes, hopefully the bands realise, try to be as transparent as possible about that. And yeah, I'm sure the bands would all rather have things done for nothing. But I think they all appreciate that there has to be a a sharing of of revenue from these things for it to work.
0: Yeah, it's a difficult balance, (laughs) it's fair to say. So, in your mind, what's the advantage of a band joining a label, big or small, versus staying independent?
1: I think, well, say clearly, big. You know, that's just a case of weighing up the pros and cons uh, and deciding if the you know the terms and conditions are are acceptable. And get proper advice. I think get proper advice at all times is is crucial. Get advice from people you trust or people who've uh, been there, done that. With smaller labels, I think it is more about do you buy into what they're trying to, to do? I mean, Earache are a great example in our genre who've done tremendous things for, for their artists. I don't know, no idea what their contracts are like and what they do, but clearly, they, you know, again, they're very selective on who they work with. and They tend to have some, some very good results. Again, you've still got to be, You've got to go into things with your eyes open. Clearly, with WDFD, we're, we're almost more of a, a feeder label, a starter label, bands that need some structure, need a leg up, need guidance on on all the things that most of them have no idea about in terms of uh, royalties and publishing rights and you know just a PRS, PPL. It, it's incredible. All those things. <laughs> yeah, they just are not collecting money, which you know, which is legitimately theirs because no one's no one's told them to no one's suggested it you know and basic things like making sure your gear's insured properly and
0: i guess it's also it's also a place where bands can come together and share their challenges and things whereas if you are truly independent and on your own sharing that stuff is a bit harder
1: i think so yeah i think that's a very difficult one we have bi-monthly meetings zoom meetings for the bands where you know we tend to have a a guest speaker i think we had a, a gentleman who looked very much like you talk at one of our one of our meetings, which was very well received. So yeah, we try to to bring in people to uh, to educate the bands if that doesn't sound patronising. But again, you don't know what you don't know until you find out you don't know. So it, you know, it's just helping bands to to get that knowledge and information, whatever they then choose to do with it. But yes, very much also to to just hear from peer bands and you know having the same struggles or successes as you. So hopefully that that is a benefit of joining a label that you get access to things that you wouldn't by yourself. But the truth is, you can do everything yourself in this day and age. You don't need a label. It's not like, you know we're doing something magical that that you can't do yourself. It's just that can you do it? Have you got the knowledge and the skill set? Have you got the time? Is it what you want to do? Most musicians just want to play music and they don't want to be sitting registering all their works and doing this, that and the other and some of the more boring stuff. So, you know, it's a journey which is for some and which, which isn't for others. Again, a label is not a manager. You know, you you generally need a good manager, someone to kick you up the backside or, uh, or guide things. And it all costs money, which, as we know, most musicians uh, – do not have potfuls of money any more than I do. So what we're trying to do is say, is just give them a chance, just try and collectively put our hands up and and wave above the crowd and just saying, hey, we've got some really good bands here that you should listen to.
0: Yes, a platform for people to hopefully be seen a bit better, basically. Yeah. What's been the most challenging thing about setting up a record label? Maybe something you weren't expecting along the way.
1: Probably been the technicalities of just making sure everything is is registered correctly or done correctly. Again, well, you know, I've had I've had a few minor horrors along the way where where things haven't appeared online at the time they're supposed to. I don't know. I'm trying to think of good examples. Thankfully, there haven't been too many horror stories, but there are just things sometimes which are completely outside of your control, and it's those frustrations sometimes which obviously the the band is looking for you to sort out, and you're sort of going. Uh, but you know, it's, this wasn't my fault. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what to do because, as I say, you know, this is not a—it's not a full-time endeavor where I've, I'm getting paid to do what I do, and I've got 40 years' experience of doing it. So I think it, it, you know that has been the most challenging part—is learning as you go along. Because, as I say, the, the way WDFD happened, as I've said before, it wasn't—it wasn't ever set you in. Know, set out from the start to be a record label providing services for bands in this way was for my son and it's grown from there so we've just had to meet those challenges head on and certainly when I was doing it by myself that was very challenging at times and there's still many days where you think what on earth am I doing why on why would I do this I don't need to do this not making anything from it and i'm not having this or I'm not getting the, the the success these artists deserve you know constantly questioning yourself as to whether you can do things better
0: but i i mean to to maybe reassure you i think everyone goes through that that's something that i go through about the podcast about my business that's something that bands go through with the question should we should we bother <laughs> so it's perfectly normal to have
1: those <laughs> yeah i'm sure it is I'm sure it is and I think it's good. I think it's healthy. It's, it's, it's a sign that you do care. But I would gladly have success for all the artists tomorrow because I believe passionately that, that they deserve it, just as so many others out there do. But, you know, that's not inside my control and, and that's not the way, of, the way of the world. There's no reason why anybody can't be famous or rich. By the same token, it's just not going to happen for, for the majority.
0: My final question that I've got here, um, is it's a nice positive one, hopefully, to end the chat about. Is w- what is the best thing about setting up a record label? What's been your favourite moment or, or whatever it is?
1: Uh, yeah, you have got to be careful with this one. I think it is positive, definitely positive, Phil. But uh, I'm, I'm always wary of of, uh, of ego or of how things can come across because I think, yeah, certainly from a from a personal point of view, seeing the WDFD logo on things, uh, did it with big festival, Stone Deaf backdrop for the stage. And uh, that was a, you know, sort of a um, goosebump moment as the sun was going down to see that. And, and things like advertising, oh, God, yeah, mind you, the cost of advertising in classic rock is, is eye-watering, but doing that sort of thing and seeing things. But I guess more than that is just when you get compliments, it is just so lovely when somebody says, oh, yeah, you know, WDFD have have some great bands on there and they they do whatever. That, yeah, it's just a warm, nice, warm feeling. So I think that's the positives of it. It's not about the label at the end of the day. I know that. But in this difficult business, we feel that having a strong brand is another edge to help the artists, who ultimately it is about, to get noticed. Because you hope that if people find the label – and then listen to your range of artists. They they associate you with good quality and, and like things and will check out other acts that they wouldn't perhaps otherwise have, have done. Again, that's the the collective strength of it, or should be.
0: I think that was a very good answer, to be honest. I mean it's 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 kind of doing something and then someone else going, You've done a good thing <laughs> and you're going, Oh yes, I have.
1: Yes, I have. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah yeah, yeah it, it, it offsets the uh, the days as i say when you think what what on earth uh, let's let's get a real job i don't know and it's going to be challenging going forward Phil, you know as gig, as gigs come back again and so on and the, you know the world opens up or not will it be different will people still come out and but we don't know we don't know what's going to happen going forward we, you know we're, So we've just got to see, you know, challenges are going to be there, always going to be there, but definitely we are in a very strange uh, scenario, you know, live streams, are they a good thing? They don't seem to have taken off as much as perhaps thought they would, which may be healthy for the live scene because, you know, there is still no substitute for the real thing. But I don't know. We've all got used to not doing things. Will people go back out in the same numbers? And more importantly, as I bang on about all the time for for the genre generally, I don't like genres. I don't like the names and associations because I think it's either good music or bad music. You like it or you don't, and that's all personal. But we've got to attract newer, younger people to, to listen to these bands. Just got to do that. And that's probably the biggest challenge of all, the most difficult, Particularly in the noise of social media, is to uh, is to, to get seen by a different market.
0: Well, I for one am very much looking forward to gigs. I can't wait. Good, good. <laughs> any gig, to be honest, <laughs> whoever it is, I don't mind.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I, I Hopefully, we'll see you at some.
0: Indeed, indeed. So, well, Keith, it's been great to talk to you.
1: Thank you very much indeed, Phil, for for asking me. Yeah, so it, again. That's one of the lovely, lovely flattering things is is when you get an opportunity to waffle like this, which I'm fairly sure when I listen back, I'll be thinking, Jesus, Keith, what what were you waffling on about? But uh, Yes, I appreciate it. Thank you, Phil.
0: So that's it for another episode of the Music Survival Guide. If you enjoyed, then please do leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. I really appreciate every single one of those. Please also share it with your friends and bandmates if you thought it was useful or helpful. I really appreciate all of you. So if you're interested, we have a community on Facebook called the Music Survival Guide Community. Hop over there for chats about music and band life with other musicians and industry people. And I will see you next time.